Okay, gentlemen, let's go. Vachachamenu zichronam livracha, our rabbis say. Amru. Alken yomeru hamoshelim bo'u heshbon. Actually, I would like to tell you what that pasuk is talking about in its simple form. The way we're going to explain it here is not in its simple form. But I will tell you first what the pasuk is talking about. We had, Am Yisrael had a little problem when they went to capture the country of Moab when they were capturing Eretz Israel, they had a problem with Moab. The problem is as follows. We were told that we're not allowed to fight against Moab. But Moab is part of Eretz Israel, So we got a problem. Because in order to get to Eretz Israel, we had to fight all the people there. So Moab is part of Eretz Israel, But at the same time, we're not allowed to fight with them. So what are we going to do? So the Torah reports that there was a war between Sihon that they went to fight Moab they had a war they had whatever politics they had between them nothing to do with us Sihon was a superpower of the time and they had a war against Moab similar let's say to Russia and Ukraine something like that and they took over Moab so they had a war and Sihon won. And then we took over Sihon. We went to fight Sihon and we got Sihon and what formerly was Moab. So in the Torah, there is a song. Who are the Moshelim? Sihon is the leader. Melech Mori. Right, So he says, Go to the city called Heshbon. It's the city of Moab. So this is a song written for the victory that Sihon had over Moab. In the Torah, there's a song. Imagine, they wrote a song in the Torah. It's a few lines about the victory of one Rasha, Sihon, who beat another Rasha, Moab. Very odd. Why would they write a song if Sihon beat Moab? What does that have to do? Answer is, it's a song that teaches us about sometimes we see world events and we don't really understand how connected those events might be to Am Yisrael. We look at them as an independent event. But meanwhile, what's happening actually 
is Hashem is working in a circular way to get to the point that we need. So if you would read the newspapers of the time, you would just see that Sihon had a certain problem with Mu'av. Maybe they didn't like the borders the way they were. Maybe they felt that really they should extend Emori into the place of Mu'av. Who knows? The same way today you have Russia and Ukraine. Russia feels that Ukraine should be a little smaller than it is. They feel part of Ukraine really belongs to them, if not all of it. So they had some issue with them. So they go out and they battle. And that's what happened in that time. Sihon had some issue with Moab, and he went out and wiped them out and took it over. If you would follow that war during that time, you would, you would, you would think it's something going on over there. Nothing to do with me. But in reality, we sing a song on that battle because we realize that that was the necessary battle for us. There is no way we could take Moab because we're not allowed to fight with them. So Hashem was working in other ways to get us to get Moab, not directly. That is the song. So the song is not about Sihon beating Moab. The song is to see Hashem in our lives when it's not direct. Hashem is constantly setting up things to make things happen in our lives and we don't even realize that it's happening. I'm going to give you an example of that. You know, I, I bet you'll be surprised when I tell you a Gemara in Masechet Berachot. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot that Hachamim wanted that we should read every day Parashat Balak. Imagine every day during our tefillot, you added Parashat Balak. The entire parasha that talks about, what does the Parashat Balak talk about? It talks about the king of Moab, his name is Balak. He got very scared that the Jewish people might come to take over his land. Like we just said, he had really nothing to worry about because we're not allowed to touch him. But he was scared. And as a result, he went to hire Bil'am, right? He went to hire Bil'am to go and, and, uh, and defend and curse the Jewish people. And the story is a very long story. Bil'am said no. Then he convinced him. Then he sent him very, then he, then he sent him on the mission. He tried to curse. He ended up blessing them. It didn't work out for Balak the way he wanted. Instead of cursing the Jewish people, he blessed them. In fact, some of the be most beautiful blessings that we use today were actually the blessings of Bil'am. We use these words. Anyway, that's the story. So it's a nice long parasha of Bil'am and Balak. So question. Why would Hachamim want to include that parasha? You know how we say Shema every day? They wanted us to say that parasha every day. The whole parasha. They wanted us to say the parasha of Bil'am and Balak. 
By the way, he would have added at least 10, 15 minutes to the tefillah. So you're lucky that he didn't add it. In, in fact, that's why he didn't add it. He didn't add it. It was too long. So now, we have to ask ourselves a question. Out of the entire Torah, why was this one so important? Like Shema. We read Shema every day. It's a very important parasha. Every day we have to read about Balak and Bil'am. We read the story one time a year in the summer. Enough. They want us to read every day. The story of Balak and Bil'am. What is the reason behind that? Besides, one of the ten things that we are obligated to remember on a daily basis. We have it written right after Shahrit. One of the things that we're obligated to remember, we must remember Yetziat Mitzrayim. We have to remember Shabbat, Daman, Amalek, Ma'amad Har Sinai. These are all very critical events in our history or critical subjects, right? Yetziat Mitzrayim, we know. Shabbat, the man, Maase Amalek, Mahamad Ar Sinai. Uma Sheyatsu, Balak Ubilam, La Asot La Avotenu. And we have to remember daily what Bilam and Balak wanted to do to our people. Le Ma'an Da'at Sitkot Adonai. So that we should see the righteousness or the charity work depends how you understand the word tzitkot, tzedakah or tzedek to see the greatness of Hashem obviously anybody who reads this says something's wrong why is this event out of all events the one that we have to remember all the time the two goyim Balak and Bil'am tried to curse us and we ended up beating them it's a very nice thing, don't get me wrong. But something we have to remember every day. You can't be a Jew if you don't know this. You know, you can't be a Jew if you don't remember Yesiat Mitzrayim. You can't be a Jew if you don't have Shabbat. You can't be a Jew if you don't remember Ma'amad Har Sinai. If you don't remember daily that we got the Torah and Har Sinai, you can't be a Jew. So these are 10 things that we have to remember every day because they're essential to being a Jew. There are many mitzvot in the Torah. There are many stories in our history. We don't have to remember them every day. We have to know them. Once in a while we remind ourselves. But these are daily mitzvot. That means they're so essential that you can't move as a Jew if you don't have them. But the story of Balak and Bilam doesn't seem to be such an important story that we have to remember all the time. So the answer to this question is a very important answer. It's really a, a lot deeper than I have time for, to tell you. But it's quite relevant to all of us. It's interesting. If you study the Torah, every story in the Torah, as it was happening, had an eyewitness to it. For example, you study Yesiyat Mitzrayim. We had thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that witnessed that. 
When there was Kiryat Yamsuf, or they split the sea, everyone saw that. When the man came down every day for 40 years, an entire nation saw that. Everything reported in the Torah, the Jews of the time were present and saw what happened. The only story in the Torah that we find that they, as it was happening, they had no idea. When Balak and Bil'am got together to curse the Jewish people, there was no knowledge of the Jewish people that this was happening. They were doing their own thing, Balak and Bil'am. They were trying to destroy our nation through curses, through a spiritual means. But the Jewish people had no idea that Balak and Bil'am were trying to do this. The first time the Jewish people heard about Balak and Bil'am was when they, read, when they read in the Torah, when Moshe Rabbeinu, right before he passed away, he wrote the Sefer Torah. They're reading all about their history and they're enjoying it. Imagine reading the Torah for the first time after Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it. They started reading about Abraham Avinu. Wow, yeah, oh yeah, we... We heard about that man. Of course, it's part of our family. They heard about the story of Yitzhak and Rivka. So of course, they, we heard that story. It's in our family. It's part of who we are. They heard about Yaakov Avinu. They heard about how he got married. They heard about Lavan. They're reading the story of Yosef. They're reading. Imagine getting the Torah for the first time written, but you already know all your history. They learned about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and how it took place, like, oh, wait, wow, of course. You know, when you read a book and it recalls an event that you were present at, it's nice. You say, oh, wow, yeah, I remember that. That was great. Wow, that was what... And they, wrote, they read about Kiryat Yamsuf. They read about Muhammad Har Sinai. And as they're reading the Torah, everything that the Torah reports, whether it's the man coming down or it's the story with Korah, it's the story with the Miraglim, Everything was in the family and many of them that were still alive experienced what was discussed in the Torah. The whole Torah to them was reporting something they actually either went through or knew about. All of a sudden, they get to Parashat Balak and they're reading the story of Balak and Bil'am how they tried to curse the Jewish people and wipe them out. And they're reading it and they never heard about it. Imagine they were all in the desert in that time, subject to this enemy, yet they didn't know. They lived their life during that time not knowing that there are people trying to wipe them out. Bil'am was a very powerful man. He could have killed them. Hashem stepped in and saved them. Literally saved their lives. But they had no idea. They only found out about it years later when they read the Torah and said, oh wow, there's a man, Balak and Bil'am. And they said, oh, where were we? Oh, right. Oh, we were there. We had no idea. We had no idea there was even such a plan. We had no idea that God saved us. We didn't even know. 
That story is a very unique story in the Torah because it opens another window of how thankful we have to be in our lives. You know, usually you tell a guy you got to be thankful so he thinks of all the things that he needs to be thankful for. And there are plenty of things. Plenty of things. And even that people struggle with. They have a long list of things they need to be thankful for. To be happy about. Start, start filling out. The other day somebody sent me, a, I one time spoke, that when you go to the doctor for the first time, and he gives you this long list of what issues do you have. It gives you like this paper. It's like, it's like a folder of all the different issues and there's a box next to it to fill out. Do you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Now most people, when they fill out that paper, they get annoyed. After the first column, had you already? No, 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 no. So one time I spoke, I said, are you kidding? That is a great moment in your life. When you go to the doctor and they give you that paper and they say yes or no, and you see, no, no, wow, Baruch Hashem, another one, no. Yeah, after you finish, you got to make a siyum. <laughs> Do you understand what you could have? Most people, when they're feeling out, they're annoyed. Right, Gabby, you've been, in, you, you were annoyed, right? You're the type, you're definitely the type to be annoyed. Okay, I had you already. You also, for sure, for sure. For sure. He wants to make one big no. In bold. Angry. <laughs> you have a moment of just look at how thankful you should be. So I spoke about this maybe last year. Last week, someone went to the doctor. All of a sudden I get a message from him. He sends me all the papers. All the papers he filled out. No, 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 no. He said, I had a great morning today. <laughs> but that's the emet. So people have a hard time being thankful for what they know about. But this story of Balak and Bil'am is a new level of gratitude. It's thanking Hashem for the things in your life that you don't even know about. You don't even know how many things happened in your life that have given you the ability to marry who you married. You have no idea how much background had to, to take place for you to meet your wife. Now, I hope you like being married to your wife. If, but if, if, that's a, if that's a beracha for you, so then you, 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 you have no idea how much you don't even know what God did for you in order to make it happen. You have no idea how many things in the background of your business took place for you to end up, maybe the buyer had to be fired because she did something wrong with another company because that company messed up. Who knows how many things happened till all of a sudden this new buyer came and all, it worked. You don't know the background. There's so much more to be thankful for. We, like I said, we struggle to be thankful for the things that we even know about. But the real gratitude of a Jew 
is to be thankful for the things that they don't know about. Because there are plenty of things in your life that you don't even know ever happened. And they were, by the way, when someone does something for you that you don't know about, and one day you find out it has such a feeling, you know, you, 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 you never knew that this guy was really paying the bill that was supposed to come to you. There was this huge tax bill that was coming to you. It never came. You always thought they forgot about me. Meanwhile, there was an uncle, a rich uncle that you had, that really cared for you, and he was just paying the bill. And you never knew. And one day, by mistake, you find out somehow that he was paying the bill. He never told you, he never shared with you. It's so much more special than when people do something that you do know about. This is what we learned from the story of Balak and Bilam. And that's why they wanted to put it every day in our tefillot. They wanted us to read the whole story. So it awakens in us not only the thanks for what we do know, what we do know about, but for the thanks of things we don't know about because they're probably more than the ones that we know. And that's why it's one of the 10 things we have to remember every day. The essence of a Jew is a, we're called Yehudim. Yehudim is from Yehuda. Out of all the tribes, why did they choose the name Yehuda? You could come from Reuven, come from Shimon. Come from Yehuda means to be thankful. The essence of a Jew is to be thankful. And there is a level of being thankful that we're not even aware of. To become thankful for the many things in our lives that we don't even know and will never know. But they're there. You have no idea how much is happening behind the scenes. And that's why, that's the song here. The song that we're singing about Sihon wiping out Moab. What do we care if there's two Rashaim fighting and one wiped out the other? The song is, look how Hashem is working in the background to make things relevant for us that are going to be better for us. Anyway, something to keep in mind. Like I said, we are struggling to thank Hashem for the things that we do have. Let's work on those first. But hopefully as you get better in that area, as we improve in that area, we should not think we're done. Because there's a lot more. There's a lot more that you don't know about. Now, that's the simple explanation of that pasuk. It's talking a song where the leaders are calling Bo'u Heshbon, go to the city of Heshbon, we captured it, it's ours. Good. But Hazal tell us a whole new explanation to that pasuk. They say like this, Alken yomeru ha-moshelim. Who are ha-moshelim? The word moshel, the word moshel means someone who rules. I told you once before, and I'll tell you again. In Hebrew, there are two ways to describe somebody who rules over somebody else. There is the word melech, 
and there's the word Moshel. We say in our prayers in the morning, Ki Ladonai Hamelucha, Hashem is the Melech, he's the king, U Moshel, and he rules Bagoim. He rules over the Goim. What is the difference between a Melech and between a Moshel? Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, it's a beautiful language, there are no synonyms, which means there may be words that sound like they're a synonym, but they're not. Each one is unique. So what's the difference between a Melech and a Moshel? They seem to be describing the same thing. A person who rules over another. So the difference is like this. Moshe, Mo, Melech is a person who rules over others and the, at their own will. They're happy about it. They're happy having this person being above them. That's a Melech. Moshel is someone who's ruling against the will of those who are being ruled. So both are rulers. One is ruling and the people are happy about it. One is ruling and the people are not happy about it. That's why in our tefillah, what do we say? Ki By Am Yisrael, Hashem is the Melech because we're happy that He's our King. But by the Goim, he's Moshel. He's ruling against their, their desire. But it says in the end of that same paragraph, right? In the times of Mashiach, it says, right? In the times of the Mashiach, Hashem will be a Melech on the entire earth. Today he's a Moshel. One day he'll be a Melech. By the way, just to know this word can help you a little bit in life. I'll give you an example how this can help you in life. Because I think many people are in that situation. Either directly or indirectly. The Gemara says, interesting statement. Gemara says that there are certain people in life that their life is not worth living. Listening? There are some people, their life is not worth living. Meaning, the pain is very, very big. I'm not going to give you all the examples. One of the people the Gemara lists that his life is not worth living. Is someone, as the Gemara says, Mi she'ishto mosheleth alav. Someone whose wife rules over him. If your wife rules over you, so your wife, your life is not worth living. Check out. Either get divorced, jump off the bridge, because your life's not worth it. So someone learns this Gemara, he sees this, he looks at his life, he says, you know, Baruch Hashem, in my house, I'm the boss. 
He's good. Okay, at least his wife makes him believe that. That's good. It's nice. But then he realizes his son, his wife, she's the boss. Now he's feeling horrible for his son. After he read this Gemara, he says, Hazit, this kid, his wife is the ruler of the house. That means his life is miserable. God talked to him. Tells him, son, let's go for, for lunch today. That what happened. We have to talk. Very important subject. Sits down with him. About to share some bad news with him. He says, listen to me. You know, we are believing Jews, as you know. I know what you're going through. I'm so sorry. What, Dad, what are, you, what are you talking about? What happened? Sister Gemara says that somebody whose wife rules over him, his life is not worth living. I'm so sorry, you must be suffering. We, I, let me try to help you. You need to start taking back the reins over here. You, you, you got to step up. When she says to, to do things, you got to show her who's boss. You know, you got to... He's giving his son fatherly advice because after all, he read the Gemara and then the Gemara says, it's very good. He's helping him. What should you do? <laughs> Guys, it's a suicidal mission here. We, 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 we got to get him to either he's going to be a, 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 a ruler, we're going to lose the guy. So he's very frantic. Now, this father has messed up big time. Yeah. Now, why? He read the Gemara. See, the problem is if you don't know the Hebrew language, you read the Gemara, you think you translate the word, but you translate it wrong. The Gemara didn't say, if your wife is a melech in the house, you have a bad life. If your wife is a melech in your house, you, you live fine. Meaning, if your wife is taking the lead and you're okay with it, your life is fine. Maybe even better than you leading. She's smarter than you. Where's the problem? The Gemara says, Ishto Moshelet Alav. Oh, when your wife is leading you against your will. Means you don't like to be led and she's leading. That life is no good. This father, because he didn't understand the Gemara, because he doesn't know Hebrew, he doesn't understand the Gemara, doesn't know Hebrew, he read it, and he's trying to help his son, he heard his son. Because when he sat with his son, his wife was a melech. But by talking to him, he turned her into a moshel. His life was fine. His life was no problem. Because she ruled the house with his complete, his haskama, with his approval. But now, he made him into someone who has a moshel on him. That destroyed him. That's why you got to be very careful when it comes to shalom bayit. It's not so simple for people to get involved in making peace between people and giving them advice how to do and how not to do. Very often people try to help, other people try, they end up hurting a lot more. Got to be very careful. Here, I'll give you an example 
of one piece of information. If you don't understand it right, and you, you try to use it, but you end up using it for the wrong reasons in the wrong way. That's what the word Moshel means. The word Moshel means someone who rules against the will of the one that he's ruling. So Hachamim explained the Pasuk like this. The Moshelim. Who are the Moshelim hinted to in this Pasuk? Who are these rulers? Eluha Moshlim Beitzram. These are the rulers of their Yetzerara. Those who are rulers over their desires. They have a desire to smoke. They're the rulers of that desire. They don't let their desires rule them. They have a desire to eat things not good for them. They rule over that desire. They have desire to scream and yell because someone said something to them. No, 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 no. They're Moshel. They have a desire to do things. The Yetzir pulls them into the wrong places or into the wrong thoughts. When a person has negative thoughts, you know who that is? It's the the Yetzirah wants you to think that you're a nobody, wants you to think that you are a failure, wants you to think that you don't have any friends, wants you to think that you have no success in life. It just turns your mind to focus on negative. That's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah loves, it says, you are his biggest customer. If you're willing to take this bait where he constantly is feeding you negative. Just focus on negative things. Whether it's in your family, whether it's in your business, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your health, he will feed you all the negativity and your mind will become a negative mind. And of course, from that, nothing good's gonna happen. He tells you, put on the radio all day long to hear 10-10 winds. You know what that does for you? It can make you suicidal if you listen to 10-10 winds all day long. What do you hear in 10-10 winds? They give you the world in 22 minutes. They still do that? They're giving the world in 22 minutes. What world do they give you? Which world? Which world exactly is 10-10 winds focused on? Right? They don't speak. They don't speak about anything good happening in the world. Nobody in the world in the 22 minutes respected their father, respected their mother. Nobody gave charity in these 22 minutes. Nobody did any mitzvot in the 22 minutes. No one respected others in the 22 minutes. No one did anything good in 22 minutes. You know what happened these 22 minutes? There were rapes and shooting and killing and this and that and the economy's, the economy's down. The economy's been down, you know, for how many years? Since, since I can remember, it's been a very bleak outlook. <laughs> I never heard on the radio or on news that they say, you know what? There's a big boom coming. Get ready. Never. You ever hear, you ever hear when they say, oh, something big is happening. Buy all the real estate now because it's coming big. It's always, oh, the interest rates, we don't know. The economy, the war. Big problem. Yeah. Oh, it's always. It's never, it's always negative. Negative. Because people love to hear. It's a yetzerah. 
there's a very strong attachment to bad news. Because when you hear bad news, somehow you feel better about yourself. So, oh, that guy got killed. Thank God, I'm not I'm alive. Oh, there's a war in Ukraine. The country got wiped out. Baruch Hashem, not there. Whenever you hear, whenever you hear bad news, there's a, there's a, there's a, like an element of like, wow, thank God. But really, you're getting killed. Because what's happening is, your mind is being filled up with negativity all day long. I'm not saying you shouldn't hear news. It's not what I'm saying. One should understand what's going on in the world. But you spend your whole life listening to the news and listening to the commentaries and listening to what... It's just negativity. I told you one time, it's a true story. One time, a guy I was learning with, he's going back maybe 10 years. Young man, he's maybe 30, 35, married with a few boy, kids. He comes to me, he says, Rabbi, because he used to lure me in the mornings actually, but he came in like a zombie, dead. Every morning he came in, sat there, and you know, I'm not that boring. I mean, every time he would sit there, and he just fell asleep. I pull him over one day, it's got like a little too much. I said, what happened to you? Why are you always sleeping? He says, Rabbi, he says, I can't sleep at night. You don't know. He says, the worst pain in the world. I turn and turn and twist and turn and turn. I can't sleep. By the time I get to sleep, and even then, it's like not, I'm exhausted, not only in the morning. I'm exhausted all day long. I can't sleep. So I said, I said, I said, you want me to help you? He said, what, rabbis can help in that too? I said, yeah, I can help you. I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, how do you go to sleep at night? Just tell me how you go to sleep. How do you go to sleep? So I already imagined how he goes to sleep. He has a remote control tied down to his hand. He has attached a remote. And he's going like this. He's clicking all night long. From one item to another item, another item. And sometimes he says he even falls asleep with it, with it on. Okay. It's okay, I, got, I understand. I told him we're going to make a new system. I said, when you go to sleep, you can't have that thing on. You got to shut it off. I said, take a book of a biography, make it easy for you. A biography of some great personality. So I'm going to go buy you one. I bought him a book about a great person in Jewish history. Beautiful biography. Everyone should read it. That's what I bought for him. Rabbi Finkel. I'm not since Finkel. My favorite book. It's an amazing book. You got to read it. Rabbi Nassim Svi Finkel. He, the late Rosh Hashivah of the Mir. Everybody's got to read that book. You have to read the book. Put it next to your bed. I said, commit to yourself. You will not go to sleep with that thing on. The way you're going to go to sleep at night is you're going to go to sleep by reading a book about a great person. How, how long? It takes three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, two hours, whatever it is, that's how you're going to sleep. I said, my history and experience have shown 
that when you read a holy book, you fall asleep in five minutes. The Yeserah says, oh no. <laughs> What's this guy doing? He's about to read something good. You'll see, you'll be out in no time. But I said, even if you don't, even if Yeserah is sleeping because he already gave up hope that you'll never have any kind of uh, renaissance, I said, what's the worst that can happen? You go to sleep after an hour or two and you read a great book? And I said, and I said to him, it's not only the way you sleep. I said, if you sleep that way, in the morning you're going to wake up a different guy. And your whole day is different. So that's my, my, my advice to you. I said, that's what you're supposed to be doing. I don't, I don't know if he's going to listen to me. He listened. He did exactly that. I'm not going to tell you the end of the story. You're going to say, oh, yeah, of course. The guy, his life changed. Not, not his nights changed. Not his morning changed. His whole life changed from that little story. Because when you go to sleep at night with either nonsense or negativity, it's the sleep itself, even if you do fall asleep. It's not a good quality sleep. And then the wake up is the follow-up. And then the day is the follow-up. Going to sleep right is such a medicine. You have no idea how much it does for you when you go to sleep in a positive mood, when you go to sleep learning something your whole night while you're sleeping is being affected by those last few minutes. Don't think it's just a couple of minutes. It's like a seed. The seed of sleep is right before you sleep. And whatever seed you put in, that's what sleep is going to be. And then you wake up a different person. This person and many people as well literally could change their life the way they went to sleep. So, again... A person has the Yetzirah ringing in his ear. You're a nobody. You're a failure. Your brother's better than you. Your mother likes your sister more than you. She's probably going to give her all the inheritance, not giving it to you, because you're a nobody. And by the way, your kids think you're a nobody too. And by the way, when you walk around, people say, look at that nobody. Everyone knows you're a nobody. That's how the Yetzirah would love to get you to be right there. Because there's nothing worse in life when a person feels down on himself. The word Moshel means a person who has the ability to stand up to his Yetzirah. So what are you talking about? I'm a precious person. Look what I have accomplished in life. Look what I can accomplish. Look what I did. Look what I can do. I have so much in me. I could learn, I could do. That's called a Moshel. Moshe, by Yetzirah, you can never be a Melech. You can't be a Melech to Yetzirah. Because he's never giving in. He's never going to say, oh wow, you're such a big tzaddik. Wow. You're such a big tzaddik. You beat me so many times, I give up. You're the Melech. Never. You will never be a Melech over your Yetzirah. He'll never 
give up on destroying you. Never. That's why it's called the Moshelim. Those who rule over the Yetzer, who understand this negative side of them, and they take initiative to be the rulers over the, the negative side. And those people have a lot of good advice for us. That we'll have to wait for tomorrow. See you tomorrow.